I want you to stay standing because I want us to give a round of applause for all those soldiers, whether they're men or women, that have served our military, that are out there fighting wars that we don't even know about. Let's give God praise for them. Thank you very much for your service. Thank you very much for all that you do. I wish I had known it earlier, uh, the sacrifices that military people do. But thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I wish I had known that earlier. My brother had to teach me. Had to teach me. I'm going to do something a little weird today, and I don't want to punish the people that can't stand for long. Uh, um, and so, but I want to read you something that makes... The passage we are supposed to look at today is in Lamentations. So the best way to find Lamentations is to go to the table of content. All right? Hey, you know, it's no problem. It's glad you're willing to go. I thank God for that. Okay? Uh, this is the end of our series that we've been doing on God Gets Us. This is the last message about God getting us. We've dealt a lot of different things about God getting, getting our pain, our difficulties, our hardships, and how we can work through those things and experience God better rather than let it cripple us and disable us and steal our faith and give up on church and God and the Bible. But God gets us in these times. So I want to mention that to you, um, that this is, we're going to pick up another series. We're going to start spending time on family Single, single life, parenting, all that other stuff. We're going to go all the way through the summer with that, okay? So that's going to start off leading into Father's Day, etc. But I want to read two things real quick with you before we get started today. So look at Romans chapter 1. So go hold your Bible in Lamentations and use your third hand to go to Romans chapter 1, all right? Romans chapter 1. Um, and... I would encourage you to, you know, to spend time this, time, this Tuesday. I always pray that you will come out to pray. I, I am going to be in and out this Tuesday because we have death in my family. Um, so I'm going to spend some time with my family this Tuesday. Uh, you could pray for the Evans side of our family. Uh, they lost uh, uncle on... Uh, one of his daughter's side of the family who died, who collapsed and died at their home. And this person was a second dad to their children. And when I mean second dad, I ain't just saying that to be nice. A second dad. He was that close to the children and they literally watched him collapse and die. So I'm going to run into Dallas for that. So please don't let that deter you from our prayer vigil. It's my prayer that we would never take coming together and praying together lightly. We would be a stronger church, a better church if we did that. We really will be. So please come out noon and nighttime for a prayer vigil. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. That's why a person who said there's no God is a fool. That's why the Bible says that. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature has give, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. 
Rain falls in northeast Houston, don't fall in southeast Houston. There's a flood in Houston, but it didn't flood all of Houston, so we had a place to run. The rainbow came out and it stopped. Verse 21. And even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and a foolish heart was darkened. Notice it says heart, same heart. Professing to be wise, they became fools. In exchange, the glory of the incorruptible God for the image and the form of corruptible man and of birds, of four-footed animals, crawling creatures. People like all of that now. People got snakes for pets. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in their lust of their hearts to impurity. He just turned it over. So that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And exchange the truth of God for a lie. And they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Who blessed, who is blessed forever. Doesn't change nothing. Amen. As a reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For they women exchanged their natural function for which that which is unnatural. In the same way also men abandoned their natural function of the woman. And burned in their desires towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts. Receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit and acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things that are not proper. So being filled with unrighteousness, there's wickedness, there's greed, there's evil, there's envy, there's murder, there's strife, there's deceit, there's malice, there's, there's gossip. People gossip a lot, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God for those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but also give heartily approval to those who practice. We approve those who practice such things. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. We go vote for them. Look at chapter 3. We go, we see these things in them and we go press that button. Because the stuff we want. We approve this. In chapter 3, he says in verse 22, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. And his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my potion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hoped in him. The Lord is good to those who wait on for him. Dealt with that for two weeks. To the person who seeks him, it is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Hey, God, your word is truth. I dare not ask you to bless it because you wrote it. But God, what I do pray is that what is taught today is in line with you. So that nobody hears from me. They hear from you. So make sure everything that is said lines up with you. And so, God, I pray that when it does... That it would impact our hearts, not just our minds, so that we live this word and be salt and light in that dark world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, it is easy for us to look at the world and despair. Very easy. 
When you turn the news on, you want to know, is there a war I'm missing in Houston? And the gun violence, drive-by shootings, people just slaughtering people, getting these rifles and just rifling people down. The evil in this world continues to permeate our society to where our kids are now questioning their sexuality. Our kids are now literally saying they don't know if they're a boy or a girl. Our kids are going to schools where the option is always before them and they're trying to see it as an option. Our whole generation of kids are not interested in church. They literally would ask, why church? What's the big deal about church? That's how they would address it. I remember gathering with a few young adults and asking, what's the big deal that about us talking about church? Said that my parents did that. They have come from a time when we struggled. Many people my age living in America struggled to gain the freedoms and the respect that was there. And the church was a vehicle to do that. But now the people who have benefited a whole lot from it, the millennials are asking, why church? What are we doing church for every Sunday? The world has shifted away from God. And as a result of that, God is saying, okay, I've never been a God to force you into my will. I gave a tree of good and evil and a tree of, 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 not, a tree of life. I, I, I gave you options. From the time you started walking with me, I never take from you how I created you a free will. I have a free will, gave you a free will. You could choose me or you could not choose me. That is your choice. I leave it to be your choice. I'm not going to take the choice from you. But at the end of the day, if you keep picking from this tree of good and evil, then that's no problem. I'm just not into that. So since I'm not into that, I'll turn you over to whatever you want. And the church, in the midst of this, all this taking place, their church is everywhere. So how could there be churches everywhere and the, and the sinful thing continues to permeate itself and we are seeing the evidence of it. We're seeing people loving animals more than loving God. We're seeing homosexuality on the rise. We're seeing Romans chapter 1 written 2,000 years ago becoming a reality every day and every moment of the day. And we're asking ourselves over and over again, God, where are you? And God is saying, I'm always here. I'm just telling you, I gave you a free will. I gave you a chance to decide whether or not to follow me or to follow me. That is exactly what is going on here in the book of Lamentations. What happened in the book of Lamentations is the fact that the Babylonians have been besieging them for two years. Besieging them for two years. For two years, you have people trying to get in to Houston, Texas, blowing, blowing up bombs, blowing up like you see with Ukraine, just taking down apartment complexes for two years. Boom, boom, boom. Coming at you for two years. They're drying up the food. They're can't get food into Judah so the people are starving. They're starving so much that women are killing their babies and eating them. That's how desperate they became. Can't find water. All these different things are taking place because it's desperate and the Babylonians are coming at them, coming at them. It is not like Deuteronomy didn't tell them 600 years before this happened that this is going to happen. If you don't walk with God, this is what's going to happen. Judah, the place, the place of that revere God, the place that represents the time of worship before God, that place is going to be bombarded and taken away. And God explained that that's how it's going to happen. He explained 
explained it. He said it's going to happen. 600 years before it happened, Jeremiah is preaching his heart out. He's telling them they so can't stand Jeremiah's messages. They try to kill him several times. They try to kill Jeremiah. Jeremiah becomes the weeping prophet. God, you've given me a ministry to do. These people can't stand it. They're sick of hearing what you got to say. They can't stand this message you're preaching. And now they come in after me. They put him in a well, left him there to die at one point in time. Thanks for somebody rescuing him out of there. Jeremiah is constantly having to see what is taking place. The Babylonians have finally made that impact because they kept beating, 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 beating on them. And eventually they made it into the city. And when they made it into the city, they're so angry with Jeremiah, they try to kill him. Jeremiah escapes, but he writes this passage of scripture that in the midst of dark days, how do we function so we don't despair? I wish I could be one of those preachers that stay here, stand here and say to you, oh, you know what? God is good. Just touch the car, touch the stuff, throw oil, throw handkerchiefs, do a dance, and we are right. Well, I'm not one of those preachers. I stick with the scriptures. The scriptures are always right. It's never going to be wrong because God can't lie. He doesn't have the, the, even the potential, the possibility, the propensity to lie. He can't lie because God is truth. He's not trying to tell the truth. He's not trying to communicate the truth. Like water is wet, God is truth. So understand, I don't care how it looks. I don't care how fascinating somebody speaks. I don't care how great they, they talk about how things are going to get better. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. The Bible is saying, no, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And we're seeing it get more and more worse. So the Bible is saying, how do we live in these times? We could live like the people did in the book of Lamentations in despair. Even Jeremiah, you start reading from chapter 1 into chapter 3. He's going to start saying, God, I'm about to lose hope. God, I'm about to give up. You just keep doing things and letting so much bad stuff happen, even to good people. So God, I just don't know if I can make it. Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah pops up into this scripture and he says, you know what? I have to go back to who God is and not let the circumstances bring him low. I've always said to y'all over and over again throughout the years, yes, things get low. Just don't bring God down to it because then you have no reason to hope. You have no reason to look for the truth. You have no reason to stand for God. Don't ever bring God low. In other words, when things are going bad, keep God high. Keep saying, God, you're good. God, you're righteous. God, you're perfect. God, I know you care about me. God, I know you can never turn your back on me. Keep him high because when you keep God high, that's what lifts you. But if you let the struggles and the difficult times of life make you question God question where he is question what he could be doing question are you listening to me God I've been praying to you been talking to you God are you going to hear me when you start bringing him down low Satan has a way creating doubt taking you to despair how do you keep from being in despair here's the first thing we learn in this particular passage and I want to just walk through this as we conclude this series on God gets us God gets it. He understands what it's like to walk on this crazy earth. He gets it. He understands what that is like. He came on this earth. He had no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the son of man had no place to lay his head. He lived a single life for 33 and a half years. Jesus Christ's family thought he was crazy. So they didn't really believe in him. Jesus Christ's family looked at him trying, Mary trying to save her son. She wanted to make sure he ain't going to 
die. And she was trying to save her son. That's why she's standing at the cross going, oh my God, he actually died. That's why her sister's there. People are standing there because she's been telling her family what is taking place. This mother suffered through the process of seeing her son grow up, trying to control his ministry. He says, woman, you can't tell me when to turn water to wine. That's a God thing. Woman in the Bible, literally, when he talk a man, a young a son is talking to uh, his mother and says, woman, it means ma'am. It's not disrespectful. It means ma'am. It's like saying ma'am or, or, or madam or sir is saying that. He's saying ma'am. You can't tell me how to turn water to wine. You can't make that decision for me. That's a daddy thing. She was trying to even lead how his ministry is going to function, how it's going to operate. Because she's seeing her son and she's watching all he's going through. Jesus Christ came and he saw all of this. So it's not like he they couldn't have despaired. They beat him. They spit on him. They did all kinds of things to him. But on the cross, he said, I'm going to do my father's business. He didn't despair because he kept his mind on God. He can't say he didn't get close to it. He was in the garden of Gethsemane, hollering out with the sweats of blood coming out of him. That's how bad it was. So he was crying out. You're going to let these people beat on me? You let them spit on me? I understand the cross, but you're going to actually let this happen to me? And God says, yes, I'm going to do it because I have been so mad for so long and you're the only one that going to sin when I get it done. So I'm going to take it out on you. Every anger, every frustration I have, I'm taking it out on you. So that's why you're going to have to take this cup. Jesus Christ, after going on all night, did not sink into despair because he understood the very nature of his father. He's, he had the same nature. And that's why in this passage of scripture, in Lamentations chapter 3, says in verse 22, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceased. So the question becomes, he didn't say God, he said Lord. Why would he say Lord? The reason why he would say Lord is as he's saying, don't forget he has a covenant with you. Don't forget that the reason why his loving kindness extends to you and not to the Babylonians and not to the people around you because he is Lord. What does, what does that mean? The word Lord means that he has a covenant that he can fight for you to maintain that covenant. That's what he's saying. Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross gave his life for us and said, I, if you confess your sin, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead and in your heart you have a release a commitment to release your life to me and you really want to release your life to me I'll forgive you of all your sins as far as the east from the west and I come into your life and make you into a brand new creation when you do that I now covenant with you to never leave you to never forsake you I will never turn my back on you I would never ever no matter what takes place in your life if Satan comes up here talking about you I will sit at the right hand of the father to make intercession for you I will never turn my back on you no matter what's going on because I laid that covenant on Calvary's cross by my blood. It is a covenant on Calvary's cross by my blood. So there is nothing since that covenant is there that could ever turn you away from me. Same thing he's saying in this passage. I told Abraham to cut an animal in half and I walked in it. I didn't ask Abraham to walk in that. I, I, I walked in that because this covenant is totally reliant upon me. And since this covenant is totally reliant upon me, then whatever you're doing, that's about you deciding 
deciding to walk from me. You deciding to go a different way. You deciding to do what you want to do. But I'm still committed to the covenant. I'm still right here with the covenant. I'm still right here holding to what I promised Abraham I'm going to do. So the same thing on Calvary's cross. I promise to go to the right hand of the Father. I promise to hear your prayers. So whether or not you think I'm listening to your prayers, I am listening because I told you I'm going to go to heaven and I told you that I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father and I told you that I intercede for you. I told you I would ever give you more than you can bear. I told you that I will always walk with you because no worries about God's anger because I let him take all his anger out of me. And since he took all his anger out of me, his blood covers you from his all of his anger going to you. So when situations are bad and difficulty arise in your life, he's not saying that God is angry at you because I took all the anger of God and I paid it on Calvary's cross. So there's no way God is angry at you because of Lord. I maintain this covenant. So since I maintain this covenant and God and I, by my very act on Calvary's cross, show you I love you, my loving kindness never ceases. Never ceases. So the mindset to keep us in despair, even when things look dark and don't seem like God is listening to my prayers, is that he can't help but listen. He can't help but not take the anger of God away from me. When I mess up and I confess my sins, God can't touch me with his anger because God's anger was already taken care of on Calvary's cross. I don't have to worry to feel lonely. I may feel like God, I feel so lonely in my hardship and in my difficulty. Hey, you can't be that way because when I died and went to heaven, I made a covenant to send you the Holy Spirit who I poured into your life. So not only am I in heaven, I am smack dab inside of you. So there's no way when you are in, when I'm in heaven, you could ever be lonely because I'm in heaven. Because the Bible says, I'm so connected to you. I know the numbers of hairs on your head. I'm so connected to you. You live in heavenly places. So how in the world could you ever be alone when you live in heavenly places? What does that mean, Jesus? I live inside of you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of Christ. Christ is inside of God. And angels, if you choose to walk righteous, are surrounds you so you're more in heaven than you are on earth so how could you be alone so that's why he's saying and when things look despairing don't despair because you got nothing to be stressed about you know it's flying yeah one time and this person is panicking next to me and I go it's too late I'm not comforting I guess she says, what do you mean it's too late? We're 33,000 feet in the sky. This is not time to panic. This is time to pray. You know, people, people ask me all the time, how was your flight? Perfect. The plane landed. So, but you could have had turbulence. I don't care. It landed. And it landed. I got a bonus. It landed at the right airport. And I got an extra bonus. My bags are here. This is a successful flight. I honestly don't care what happened in the sky. I'm just glad the plane landed. They get tired of me saying that. Preachers that invite me back, they can say, man, come on, Cannons, you got to tell me about your flight. I said, just same answer I'm going to give you. The plane landed so it was a perfect flight. I honestly don't care. You see, so she looks at me, she goes, well, what do you mean? I said, ma'am, you already trusted everything. What do you mean? Have you met the pilot? No. Have you ever asked 
When they repaired this airline, if it passed all the aviation tests? No. I said, man, just think about it for a minute. They told you to go to Terminal B. Why would they use the word terminal? <laughs> By this time, the woman is panicking more. I'm really not helping her. And then when she asks me, what do you do? And I say, pastor, that really didn't go well. Okay, I really didn't go well. I said, ma'am, they said terminal. So that means you terminated your life in Houston. <laughs> so by this time, I'm just totally messing the woman up. Okay, she goes, well, I mean, so you're going to stay calm about this? I said, ma'am, there's no need to stress because at the end of the day, the, the liabilities are too high for them. They don't want to go out of business. So they want to land this plane. Ain't nobody loving us. They want to land this plane because my family going to sue the stuffings out of Everybody going to get rich in my family. They're going to come at them the way they love me and my family. And they're going to sue them. They're going to make a whole lot of money. They don't want that liability. The man in the cockpit want to go home to his family too. So he ain't trying to take a whole bunch of risk. He got a family too. What you got to pray is not suicidal. <laughs> okay? That's what you need to pray. Because folks be crashing planes into mountains because they're mad about somebody. So, man, you got to pray about that. So, at the end of the day, you have to trust the process because we're already in the sky. Many of us are stressing and going off and God is going, you're alive. You're in the sky. So, right now, instead of stressing when you're already in the sky, trust the man in the cockpit because he promised to have a covenant with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is God. He is perfect. He is righteous. And he's never lost a passenger. Not one time has he ever lost a passenger. He doesn't worry about the liability because on Calvary's cross, he paid for all the liabilities that could ever go wrong. So, he is guaranteeing you that while you're living, flying in disguise, you will land. You will land again. Again, well, it depends on what you mean. I said you will land either with your family or he promises you that if you die, he has a place prepared for you in heaven. So it doesn't matter where you land. You could land on earth or in heaven because he has a place prepared for you. So since we got this going on, let's just pray to the person who's a real pilot. He says, are you a pastor? Yes. She didn't ask me no more questions. Understand. The Bible is saying, you're flying. So what do you mean I'm flying? You ate this week. You're flying. You got up this week. You're flying. You had a job this week. You're flying. You put gas in your car this week. You're flying. You breathed a whole lot of breaths this week. You're flying. You came home to your house. You're flying. The issue is, are you going to check and t check in and touch the pilot? The pilot is saying, there is a day that we're going to terminate this life. Are we focused on the afterlife or are we focused on just this life? Because he's telling us, when you get on this plane, there's a time to live and a time to die. But my love and kindness, oh, you got to watch this word in Hebrew. My love and kindness never ceases. Oh, you, you don't understand, never. You know, you may, tell you, you may tell the person that you bought a car from, I'll never be late in my payments. That's not never. <laughs> I will never miss my mortgage payment. That's not never. Baby, I'll never turn my back on you. We are married forever. We love each other. I will never turn my back on you because we are together for life. That's what we say right here, right? At the podium right here. Right here we say that, right? How many times have you talked about I'm leaving you, I'm sick of you, I'm out of here? That's not never. We got quiet on that one. 
<laughs> That's not never. Okay? Some people say, never, never will I. Man, I love this job. I never will leave this job. It's the best job I ever had. That ain't never. You change jobs. Never is never. Never is no hope for it ever not being never. Are you with me? Never is never, never. God is saying his covenant is so sure, I could never, never. Let me do it the way the young folks do. I'm going to add something here for the old folks. I never, never, never will cease. You know, when young people want to emphasize something, they say, never, never. Well, God is saying, never, ever, never. That's what never is. You know, baby, I love you. Well, that's until that time of the month comes. <laughs> okay, let me move on. <laughs> Am I in trouble right now? Lord, your love never ceases. Great is your faithfulness. Never. He says it never, no matter what. <laughs> I'm not going to stop hearing from y'all after that one. It's loving kindness. Now, now, now folks, I, I want you to get the intensity of what Jeremiah is saying. Because it's like having a lion in front of you, roaring, wanting to eat every bit of you. And you are like Daniel sitting in the den going, God, you got this. This is not sitting in church going, God, you're good. Or listening to some good praise music, God, you're good. Or getting a raise, God, you're good. No, this is lions in front of you. The Babylonians wanted to take you out. The walls have come down. They got their swords drawn. They're on swords coming in, cutting people's necks off. And you are watching them and you can't do nothing. Your army has failed. Your army is no longer strong enough to fight them off. Your army has failed. So whatever is going on with this lion, it's smack there, growling at you, looking at you, ready to take you out. And then he's saying at the same time while he's looking at all of this, the Lord's loving kindness never ceases how in the world do you still say never <laughs> you, you, you gotta stay with me how do you say never when the lion is right there how do you say never when the soldiers are sitting right there how do you say never when the walls did come down and what God has prophesied in Deuteronomy is a reality in that he's saying this situation is going to come and you're going to die he's already said that he's already said Romans chapter 1 He's already said this is how bad it's going to be. He's already telling us there are going to be wars, rumors of wars. He's already telling us there are going to be sickness and death. He's already telling us that. The lion is right there. And then he's writing, Lord's loving kindness never cease. How does it never cease? How could you say it never cease when they're right there? See, that's the issue that talks and describes loving kindness. Loving kindness is not determined by what I see. Loving kindness is determined by what I believe. If I believe that God would never leave me nor forsake me. If I believe like Paul would say when he's broke, I've learned to be content. If I believe when things are difficult that I, the Lord, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ because he said so. If I believe no matter what's going on in my life that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he said so. If I believe in the 7,000 promises that God has given me, I don't struggle with the lions. I struggle with, Lord, help my disbelief. It becomes an inter interaction between me and God, not an interaction between the lion and me. 
That interaction with an enemy in me, it becomes God. I rather focus on who you are. I want to keep you high. I want to make sure that I don't drag you down because I'm anxious. I don't drag you down because I'm distressed. I don't drag you down because I have all this struggle of pain in my life. I don't drag you down because the uncertainty keeps me wanting to doubt you. No, Lord, I choose to believe in your nature. In that because you are love, because of the nature who you are... And you are loyal because you have a covenant with me. You are loyal, God, in the sense that there's nothing would ever stop you. And on top of that, you're a kind God. That even if I'm not, even if I didn't do everything right when the lions are there, even if I didn't do say the right thing because the lions are there, even if I didn't think the right thing because the lions are there, but God, you are kind. You know that I want to do the right thing, but I just mess up sometimes. So, Lord, I trust you that not just your love would be there, your kindness will be extended to me. Because I need your kindness when I know that I'm not perfect and the lions are there. That's why he's saying, when I get out of the situations, I know that he never sees. understand what Jeremiah is thinking. They put me in a well to die. I am alive. They try to kill me. I'm alive because his loving kindness never ceases. He says there's a time to live and a time to die. It ain't my time. They can't touch me. Amen. Folks, that's why he's saying that mindset keep us from despair. If we don't have that mindset to keep us from despair, the lions will cause us to lose our faith, our commitment to God. What do I mean by lions? Lions could be the husband or the wife. Lions could be the financial situation you may be in. Lions could be the health issues you face. Lions could be all them people at, at the job that can't stand you saying good morning. Lions could just be... Your background that you have come from that always wakes up and says, you know you ain't nothing because I remember you when you used to drink. I remember you when you used to party. I remember you when you sleep around. When you walking around talking like you love Jesus. I know when Satan starts to put those bad thoughts in our head, we got to remind ourselves, that lion ain't going to bite me because his loving kindness never ceased. He forgave me of my sins. He cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And he, my past is as far as the east from the west. This this ain't an issue with Jesus. This is an issue with me. Forgetting what's behind me and stretching on to what's ahead of me. That's my, that's my decision to make because he told me my sins are as far as the east from the west. So he told me forget what's behind you. Count it loss and stretch to the mark. See, you stay focused that way because you remember his loving kindness never ceases. I, I, I love this. I love I'm about to I'm about to get real excited up in here. But you know, it's, you always... I love this. I love this. It's because he's saying his, his loving kindness that never ceases is complete. <laughs> That's why I say you gotta, I got to get a little Hebrew here. Because this is exciting to me. Because in my life many times I make decisions and people think, you know, like I'm thinking of going to a particular country right now. And people are going, you're crazy to try to go to that country. You know the troubles that's going on. And I'm going, God, the issue isn't the troubles. The issue is what do you want me to do? I am safer in that unsafe country than I am here if I'm disobedient. So he's saying, he says, he says completely, completely never. This, this is what he, he doesn't mean never, never. He says he's so complete in making it never that it could never, never, ever go away with his loving kindness. 
In other words, there's nothing else he needs to do to be faithful that is not going away. Whatever, he's, whatever the situation is, he has already completed every situation. In other words, every circumstance that I would ever face in my life, he's already addressed it. Every situation long ago that I could ever think about, God has already seen what the situation is long before I could ever face it, completely sets up everything that he needs to get done in order to fix it so that when I come to it, everything is already arranged, set up, structured, finished. All I got to do is decide to run the race because he's never, never. Never means it's so complete, any situation I could ever run into, any situation I could ever face is so addressed, so completely addressed, so completely taken care of, so completely set folks and what he's going to do, so completely that when I come to it, He's not going, oh, Paul, wait a minute, second, I got to get that together. So just don't do nothing right now because I got to fix that first. He's saying, no, keep running because I've already finished it. So there's no need to live life with any intrepidation because my love never ceased me. I've already fixed everything I need to fix. So all your job is to do is to keep running the race that is set before you. Do you know what author and finisher mean, by the way? We think author means he started the race. That's not what he's saying. Author means that the king didn't have roads like we have. They have roads. They had bushes. So when the king wanted to go from one city to the next, he had a person called an author. What the author did was go and cut down all the bushes, get rid of all the grass, pave the road, so that when the king comes, he's just riding down the road to go to the next city. Because the author has created a path and has already finished the path. So the king that is coming ain't got nothing to do but to ride. That's why the verse continues to say, run. Because I'm the author. That's why it's never, never. What are you saying is, I've already run down the path because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Any trick Satan got, I took care of it. Any situation Satan was going to do to you, I accomplished it. Because the path that I have for you, it's already clear. It's already finished. Just like the nation of Israel going through the Red Sea. It's on dry ground. Water is up. Enemies behind. I'm already done. That's why he's saying it never ceases because there is no path that Satan could ever take you down or let you experience that he said, I haven't mapped it out. That's why it never ceases. That's why he's saying what? Be anxious for what? Nothing. Just run. Oh, you're not praying with me today. Don't let me get Baptist on you today. This is what keeps me many days. See, somebody in this church, I ain't going to call their name, don't like my favorite song. They said, Pastor, how long are we going to sing this? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands had provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest. See, songs don't like my song, but I'm thinking, that's my song because I've seen the Lord. <laughs> oh, well, let me get Baptist up in here. I've seen the Lord. 
I've watched him wake me up. I've watched him keep me in many countries I've been to. I've watched my kids go out. My kids come in. I've watched broke and still ate. I've watched Humpty Dumpty cars that still run. I've watched God keep the leak from coming into my house. I've watched God watch a refrigerator shake and keep it running. I've watched the Lord God do all kinds of things. So I know that the Lord tell me to run the race. I run the race because I know that the evidence of the past keeps me to focus on the future and I know I ain't got nothing to stress about. All I got to do is to learn never to bring him down, keep him high and when I despair, pray. Because he promised to hear me on that. Oh Lord. And I still just at verse 1. Hallelujah. See, see, I understand, folks. That's what I'm talking about. See, that's what I'm talking about. See, many times we sow into the present problem, we forget the past. Not David. David said, I killed a lion, I killed a bear. I don't care how tall you are, you're a dead man. Because <laughs> David said, you, you're an uncircumcised Philistine. You do not have a covenant with God. I got a covenant with God. So you're a dead man. I don't care how big you are, how small I am. I don't care how much sword you got, how much shield you got, if rock I got. It doesn't really matter. I know you're dead. What do I get for killing him? You see, that's the reason why David understood. Lord, I love you with all my heart because your love never ceases. And when I'm wrong, when I've done evil, when I've done wickedness, you still kept your throne with me. You didn't take it from me because of the evil I did. You kept your throne with me. So your love is a loving kindness. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's why he says, that's why he says, uh, let me go on here before I get too happy up in here. He says, they are new. Now, you got to say it like the old folk. They're new. Hey. Hey, man. Oh, yeah. You see, see y'all know some of, these, some of the older people may not have had all the education that we have. They may not have even been able to read some of these words in the Bible. But they had some God sense going out in them cotton fields and <laughs> trying to make an egg stretch for all them chilling. <laughs> you know, and, and getting up in the morning, not too sure if their car going to work. Or in some people's cases, if their donkey going to go forward. <laughs> See, some of them people, all they know is that when I got up in the morning and I got out on the fields, and I was able to do what I needed to do. His grace, his faithfulness is new. Amen. <laughs> See, some of us got cars now. Some of us got anti-lock brakes. Some of us got all kind of fancy TV with flat screens. So when we get up in the morning, we go, thank you, Lord. But we don't see his new every morning. But them old folks saw it was new every morning. They, they understood they couldn't make it without God. They understood that they could not even find the strength to face the day without God. They understood that, oh Lord, when I go to church, I need to sing me some songs. I don't care what time it is. I need some Jesus today. They, the, the thunder would roar and they would say, stop, turn off everything. God is speaking. They understood it, that he was new. Amen. See, when, when the enemy is right in front of you, and, Je and, Lament and Jeremiah know they could die any minute. There's no more defenses. There's nothing to keep the lions off. They're going to die. 
In their minds, we're depending on the mercy of the Babylonians. What's Jeremiah saying? I ain't depending on their mercy. Because his loving kindness, when they walk away from here, when I'm able to walk out of Judah, when I'm able to go about my life, no matter what they came to do, I recognize that when I wake up and I'm still here, God, in spite of the enemy, in spite of the problems, in spite of the pain, I can see it's a new day and it's new. Every morning, his loving kindness exists. See, some of y'all get up out of bed. Y'all just be saying, thank you for waking me up, Lord. But you didn't know what storm he kept from your house. You didn't know what burglar he kept from coming up in your house. You don't know what he did to get you up that morning. You don't know what your heart may have done during the night. You don't know what, you, what could have gone wrong all night long. So it's easy for us to say, all right, Lord, let me go about the day. Don't even pray. Oh, let me put it this way. Put it this way. Years ago, the Indians had this tradition. They had this tradition. The tradition was that when a young man came to age, they stuck him into the jungle and left him all night to survive, to teach him courage and help him to overcome fear. So this young boy, he saw in his son, and he's just one of them good sons that don't really have this gangster mentality when he's born. He recognized his son is more of a gentle boy. So the dad says, yep, sorry, son, you got to go. This is the tradition of our village. You got to go out there and fight. So the boy goes out and he just says to himself, he decided he's going to find him a hole and hide. When he came out in the morning, he saw this big figure standing in front of him as a little boy at 12. And he gets scared. When, he, when, the, when the dawn kind of clears up as he walks towards the figure, he recognized it was his dad. When he looked in his dad's hands, he had knives with blood pouring from the knives. When the, when, the, when the sun rose and he could see, there's an animal dead over here. There's an animal dead over there. Right where he was hiding, there was an animal, a wolf, trying to take him out right there that could smell his blood that was coming after him. All night long, his daddy was killing animals all night long to protect his son while his son just hid. That's why the Bible says, I hide in thee because God all night long is going dead, dead. You can't touch my child right now. Dead. You can't take, I'm, I'm, you're not going to give him more than I can bear. Dead. Get out of here, Satan. All night long. That's why Lamentations, Jeremiah is saying, it's new. Hey, morning. It's not like somebody wasn't fighting for me. It's just that I wasn't fighting for myself because the Lord is my, my shepherd. The Lord is the one who takes me through the valley in the shadow of death. All I got to do is hide in him because he's the one fighting. That's why every morning it's new. Oh, you know what new means? New means it wasn't there before. He just created new. Oh, you think it's new because it's next day? He's saying no. That's why I use that illustration. New in the Hebrew means it wasn't there before it got to be there. So new means he created the new. So every morning he created a new morning and that's why I got a new morning. Oh, you're not understanding. <laughs> you see, you think... That because the sun is shining and the moon is shining and the earth spins and it's in a proper radiation, rotation, radius and all this other stuff, we got a new morning. Or you got to read Hebrews chapter 1. He says, while you were asleep, 
I tell it to spin. While you were asleep, I kept the sun shining. While you were asleep, I kept the moon shining. While you were asleep, I kept the ecological system going. While you were asleep, I recreated a whole new day. That's why his loving kindness never ceases. That's why it's new every morning. That's <laughs> when the plane landed. I said, God is good. You know, it's funny how people get to praise God when the plane is on the ground. All the time, God is good. I didn't even know she went to church. <laughs> All the time, God is good. God is good. She's all happy. God is good. We happened to just walking to baggage claim, you know. And she said, oh, God is so good. I got my bags. I looked at her and I said, but he's always good. If he wasn't good in the sky, you wouldn't be at baggage claim. If he wasn't good in the sky, you wouldn't be walking here. If he wasn't, so you, you want to land before he's good. And God is saying, no, keep flying because I'm always good. <laughs> Oh, folks, all right, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Watch this carefully, folks. Come on, come on. Watch this carefully. Yeah, stick with me, stick with me. I, I'm gonna try to wrap it up. I, I'm, I'm really trying hard. The plan is still in the sky, though, so I'm working on it. He, sa- he says, Remain, no matter what is going on in your life, remain hopeful and seek me. Okay? Remain hopeful and seek me. Okay, okay. watch this carefully. Why are you saying that? Watch this word potion. The Babylonians took all they had. They didn't just come in and take your family, kill your husband. There's a lot of widows around. They took all your stuff. So if you had anything valuable in your house, they took it. It's kind of like going to this lady's house after the big old flood in Houston that they call a 100-year flood that came in about 20 years. That flood, that flood came halfway up in this woman's house. Thanks to a good group of people, the living word, that were going around from house to house serving families. So we found this woman through references. We got in there. She said, she started crying the minute we walked in the door. Because we came there with all kind of equipment to tear out walls and everything else. I got to give it to the team of living word. In a bus, just in a van and cars, just went from a reference all the way across town. Found this woman. We looked around. She said, you don't believe what people did. While this thing was halfway flood all through my house, they came in here because the water forced the doors open and any TV that wasn't touched with the water, they took it. I said, what? She said, yeah, they ripped it out the walls. They took all of my flat screen TVs. They ripped me off of everything that the water didn't touch. Serious? Yes. I, I didn't just lose everything in the flood. I lost everything that's above the flood what Jeremiah is saying the God is my potion in other words no matter what was lost there were people at her door without her asking to rip out her stuff and I mean people got real real strong as a, when they heard that living word 
hallelujah to, to God for your faithfulness and your goodness. People went in there and they just ripped out all the wall, took out all of the, of, the, of the insulation, cleaned up her yard. She had a car that was broken down in the garage. Somebody took their truck, put it at risk and pulled that thing out of there because all four tires were flat. So they put their transmission at risk and dragged that car out and helped her stack everything up on the, on the sidewalk to make sure there's no problems when the trash people came. Living Word people stopped there, put their hands in their pocket and blessed the woman with an offering. I had never seen that. I saw Living Word do that over and over again during that flood. Over and over again during that flood. Why? What happened there? Even though you lost everything, this is what Jeremiah is saying, the Lord is my potion. The flood could take everything, but since God is my potion, God can send somebody to my door and replace all of it. Because God is my potion. So a lot of times when we see things going crazy, and we say, man, I lost everything. The Bible is saying, that's not the problem. The problem is, did you keep your faith? Did you keep walking with God? Did you keep trusting God? Did you keep believing in God? Did you keep your faith in God? That's the issue. Because when that remains, the Bible says, I will reward you for your faith. So therefore, my potion comes right back. Whatever God has for me, whatever God has promised to bless me with, he will bring it right Right back even newer than it was before because he's new every morning he creates stuff from out of nothing every morning so it's even better than when you had it the first time that's why Jeremiah is saying don't despair even if you lose everything God can replace it and make it look better I'll pick on Mary Wheatley for a minute I remember going up to Mary Wheatley and saying oh Lord did your pipes break yeah flooded out my house yeah I said, I'm sorry, Mary. She goes, oh, no, I've been wanting to renovate my house. I got the insurance to pay for it now. <laughs> Why? He is my what? So I don't have to save up to fix this no more because the insurance is going to pay for me to renovate my whole house. <laughs> Folks, that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying Satan may think he got you, bust the pipe, messed up things. But if you keep trusting his faithfulness, you keep trusting his kindness, you keep trusting the fact it never ceases. And you decide that no matter what is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is of, of good virtue, I keep my mind on those things. And the God of peace will keep me when the whole world is at against me. That's why he says, don't despair. Don't despair. When you despair, you're listening to the lion's roar. Not the heart of God. So let me finish this. I ain't want to finish it. I'm going to tell you that. He says, says to my soul, therefore I hope in him. I'm not going to let my hope die. I'm going to let my hope die. I'm going to let my hope die. How many times as a pastor... That's why I love my song. Y'all going to sing this song today. That's why it's my song. I don't care what that person say, even though I ain't calling her name, even though I'm kind of looking at her. I, I don't care. I've seen so many times in this ministry, so many times sitting in the backwoods of Kenya, not too sure what's going to happen. Great is your faithfulness. Because verse 25, the Lord is good. The Lord will bring everything that is your potion that is lost, he will bring it to where it benefits you. 
That's what good means. Good means it becomes an advantage for you. In other words, all things work together for good. For those who keep trusting, don't forget, for those who love me, those who keep trusting me, walking with me, obeying me, doing what I say despite all of it. He says, everything that Satan meant for evil, God going to turn it around to make it a benefit to you. Daniel's in lion's den. What did Daniel happen to Daniel when he came out of lion's den? Everybody worshiped his God and Daniel became prince. What happened to Joseph? Everything turned around. Took 12 years. That's why he uses the word wait. We've been over that word wait. The wait is the evidence that I got faith in God to fix this. I'm not, not just sitting around. I'm actively serving God, actively doing what God is saying, actively obeying God. But I'm going to wait on God because I can't get back my potion without him. I cannot get the good to work without him. So I am forced to wait for a God thing to make this all possible. And that's why he's saying, keep your hope alive. And in the midst of the worst and difficult times, that's your growing experience. That is your growing experience. Keep walking with God because that's when he shines for you and that's why he says to me he said he says it is good to to be silent stop fussing and God I just got to deep um, God I'm sick stop doing all of that don't forget last week when we complain and not complain to God we in trouble so he says it's better since I know I have been faithful since I know what I've done is based on God's word he says and then stop be silent wait because the God is your salvation God is your cell. Are you there? God is your who who delivers us. The word salvation means He is the one who delivers. <laughs> you know, I uh, I love this story, but one of these days I'm gonna preach it again because every time I study, I could actually preach three sermons out of one message. It's funny. I gave a preacher my sermon. And he said, give me, give me your sermon notes on that. So I emailed him. He says, my God, I could get four sermons out of it. Many times I do. I could actually come back to that same passage and get more out of it. God has taught me. God has taught me so much about his deliverance. And the place that I like it is the Red Sea. The Red Sea. I love to teach that again. Because we don't seem to understand to me what that did you take a man who depended on a sword right he depended on a sword he killed the Egyptian Moses had just won a war against the Ethiopians he was a man people looking up to him like David coming in David killed thousands that's the kind of things Moses is experiencing and God took this man who depended on a sword to walk with a stick because of his stubbornness it took 40 years and because he was too early trying to do his own thing, he had to what? Wait. So now he is coming there with a stick. What does that say? You ain't opening up this Red Sea. Do you ever see that verse? Just like a line in there in Exodus 14 where it says, Moses went behind a rock and cried. <laughs> Moses was going, he was crying out to God like, you crazy. <laughs> so he takes this stick. Could you imagine two million people hollering at you? You look silly with a stick standing over the Red Sea. And all night long, the water is doing this. And the ground is drying up. And there's a wind blowing. 
Folks, do you know how crazy that is? God actually made the Red Sea that could be like the Rio Grande at flood stage. They could have walked over. He purposely put it at flood stage. And made them stand there with a stick. Why? After the blood on the doorposts, those who were standing there were obedient. They turned their will over to him. So they're standing there because he is the deliverer. That's why he is going down these passages because he's saying you got to get to the point in your life where if God asks you to pick up a stick, you'll pick up a stick. Because you've come to the point in your life where you so trust his loving kindness, you so trust his goodness, you so trust that it never ceases, you so trust that he would never leave you nor forsake you, you so trust that God is faithful to do exceedingly abundantly all I could ever ask or think, you so trust that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you so trust that nothing could separate me from the love of Christ, whether kings or priests, whether, whether principalities or powers, nothing could separate me from the love of Christ, he would never leave me, he never forsake me. So God, it doesn't really matter what you put in my hands to work with. It matters that you put it there and it matters that you can deliver me and it matters whether or not I trust you. So God, if it's a stick, it's good. Lord, if I'm broke, it's good. Lord, if I'm in a job and they're talking crazy, it's good. It doesn't matter. If a Lord, if I'm in a house and it's got all kind of issues in it and I don't have no money, God, it's good. Lord, it doesn't matter if I got a hoopty, it is good. It doesn't matter what the doctors say, it is good because if you put me down to a stick, I still believe you can deliver me. That's why Jeremiah, with all these people on his back, victory is won. There's no more army to fight them off. Says, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands had provided great is thy faithfulness Lord unto thee summer and winter springtime and harvest sun moon and river in the courses above join with all nature in manifold witness as thou hast been Thou forever will be. Let us stand and sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands have Thank <laughs> you.